This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives, as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Just a couple weeks ago, we had our congregational meeting on a Sunday night. And uh, Pastor Dan Krauss uh, was able to share a little bit about what's happening with the church plant. It's really exciting. Uh, that is a cool deal. A church plant represents people stepping closer to Jesus Christ. Because you can't grow a church merely on people who go to other churches. But you really need people who are, are not part of the church to come and be a part of the church. And Dan's been on staff with us as an intern. Interim? Intern. Intern is bad, right? Yeah. Like Mark, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I would say other nice things about Dan, except that he's been beating me in ping pong lately. And so uh, I'm not sure that that's going to be a great idea. Dan, it's good to have you. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I'll get it. I can handle it, Tyler. Thanks. <laughs> you don't want the musician to have to carry anything. <laughs> well, it's good to be back. And uh, this, as Tyler said, we've been here for oh, going on a little bit over four months actually now. Um, it was the middle of October when we got here. And uh, the residency is coming to an end, and uh, this is probably the last time I'll be up preaching as a resident here. Um, just in the next few weeks, we're going to be moving on and um, going full into the church plant. And uh, I'll tell you, there isn't some awesome things going on. I'm not going to really share them right now, but I'd love to tell you about them later. So God is up to some big things in East Anchorage, and it's been good to see that God is up to big things in Eagle River. So it has been a huge blessing for us to be here for the last uh, few months. So over the last few weeks, uh, Pastor Mark has been leading this series, um, Hope for Relationships, and uh, we're talking a lot about relationships, covering various topics, including last week's title, which is one of my favorite titles of our sermon, was Avoiding the Deadliest Catch. 
Um, <laughs> I think it's funny. I liked it, but uh, <laughs> um, so I thought I'd give him some props for that one. That was a good one. But um, I thought before we, we, we get into today's topic, um, which it's a, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. It's like I was really praying that God gives me a lot of grace or helps me run really fast. Because um, today we're talking about submission. And um, so and all that goes along with that. But before we get into that, I want to kind of, just by way of review of where we've been, um, we have a video where we have actually, we asked some experts on the subject of love and marriage, some very difficult questions. So if we could go ahead and roll the video. You guys ready with it? All right. Hey guys, do not forget your wife's name. That will indeed mess up the love. You, just, you don't want to do that. So, we hopefully, hopefully we made you smile there a little bit, um, asking the experts there some things about marriage and love and marriage. And uh, Today, before we, we talk specifically about um, the roles of husbands and wives in the marriage relationship, we're actually going to start in verse 21. In uh, verse 21, it says this, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, by the way, today's sermon title, let me see if this works, it does. Who's the boss? It's a question we're going to look to answer today. Um, so get you on the edge a little bit already submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, Paul here, um, he, he's giving some instructions before he moves into the specific relationship of husband and wife, he's wrapping up thoughts to the entire church, to Christians in general. And he gives us verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this is very important for us to understand. If we're going to understand the specific, we need to understand the general. The general concept he gives us is we are to submit to each other as Christians. We are to submit to each other as Christians. So what does that mean exactly? What does it look like for us to submit to one another? Submit, the word hupatasso. Uh, are there any Greek scholars here? There is one. Oh, great. Well, I'm going with hupatasso anyways. So <laughs> it means sub- to subordinate, to reflexively, to obey. Now think about that for a minute. To subordinate, to, to reflexively to obey. Think of the idea of reflexively obeying someone. When I think about this, I think about the little the test they give you in your uh, getting your physical at the doctor, where they have a little thing where they like to hit you with it and hit you in the knee. And if you kick, you know that means you're mechanically sound, and that's your reflex. Well, if you think about that, it's something that just happens naturally. Now, does that seem uh, hard for us to? Maybe even accept that naturally, as Christians, we should be submissive to one another and obedient to one another. It's a little countercultural, isn't it? Growing up in school, I heard a lot about self-esteem and self-confidence and self-this and self-that and why I'm so stinking good. And we get taught this load of stuff and we start believing that we're more important than everybody else around us. Well, this is countercultural. This is counter to that, that we're supposed to esteem others more than ourselves. And we are to subordinate, to reflexively obey one another as Christians. Now, we do this out of the fear, fear of the Lord. Um, the NIV uses the word um, reverence, out of reverence. And this is phobos. Phobos is alarm or fright, be afraid, exceedingly fear or terror. Fear of the Lord. This is another term that sometimes we're uncomfortable with. One, we're supposed to submit to one another, be obedient towards one another. Two, we're supposed to do so out of fear of God. You may be thinking, wait, isn't God this very uh, relational um, uh, creator that, that we can go to with everything? Yes, He is. 
Yes, He is. And yes, you can go to Him. And yes, He wants to hear you. And yes, He is the Creator. And yes, He loves you. But we should have a healthy respect, a healthy fear of the Lord. It's a very imperfect illustration. But think for a moment of a fire. Uh, it's been very cold this winter. It's nice out now. But it's been very cold this winter. And the idea of a fire can be very, a very good thing. It's a comforting. It, it warms us. We use it for many good things. But you're not going to reach your hand in there and put it in there for very long, right? Because we have a healthy fear of the fire. We understand what is capable of destroying us. And we should have a, a healthy fear of God, understanding the one who created all things also has the power to destroy all things. And we should, we should hold Him with high reverence, and we should have fear of Him. Now, why do you think it is that God would have us to be obedient one to another as Christians? I think there are a few reasons. One, it's exercise in humility. We have to humble ourselves to lift somebody else up. And in turn, when another Christian humbles themselves up, they lift you up. And it's a beautiful thing. It's exercise in humility. It also fosters unity within the church. And uh, when I'm thinking about unity, I think uh, what, what, what good illustration could we use for uh, why it's important to stay united? Well, we're here in Alaska, so I have a kind of Alaskan illustration for you. There's a group of muskox, and what they're doing right now is they formed a circle all facing out, and they have their young in the middle of the circle. This is what they will do when they are um, um, in danger of some predators, typically wolves. So a wolf will come up seeking to destroy at least and eat at least one or more of the muskox, and what they'll do is they submit to the whole group and they become united and circle around their young. Now when they do this and they stay like this, the wolves will eventually lose out and leave. But what tends to happen is one of the muskox will get scared. And really, and by doing so, um, they don't understand this, they're muskox, but in doing so, they, they elevate their own import, they elevate themselves to more importance than the herd and they'll run. And when one of them runs, the, the herd scatters and they fall victim to the predators, to the wolves. It's important to submit to one another for the sake of unity. For the sake of unity. Now, this is, again, very important for us to understand this concept before we move into the specific relationship of a husband and wife. So for the framework for that, we need to understand Christians. We are to submit one to another. We are to submit one to another. It's a difficult concept. Not difficult to understand, but difficult to employ. So with that... Paul talks in general terms that Christians were supposed to submit to one another. Now he gets more specific, and he goes into three different relationships. First, husbands and wives, and how they relate to each other, under the broader heading of, we are all to be mutually submissive. And then he goes on to parents and children, and then finally to slaves and slave masters, and how they relate to each other as Christians. So moving on to the specific, um, how God designed marriage. And uh, specifically, how, how we are to interact with each other as husband and wife. Now, typically, when I have uh, taught on this subject before, um, I have worn a bulletproof... No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, my wife and I actually usually do it as a team. And usually, I'll take the guys in one area, and my wife will take the ladies in another. And um, we, we, we go and we teach that way. 
Um, the reason for that is we've learned that there's a tendency to be reading each other's mail here. Guys, for a long time, have looked at their wives and said, hey, you need to read the Bible. It says you're supposed to submit to me. And what happens is you have this forced submission, which isn't submission at all, guys. It's domination. And God does not call you to dominate your wife. This is very important to understand. Forced submission is domination and it's not what you're called to do. Trust me, Paul gives you twice as many words, guys. He gives us twice as many words here and how we're supposed to treat our wives as he gives the ladies. Probably because they get things quicker than us. So under that, we need to understand that before we move on talking to wives, and we will get there right now, actually. Wives, in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Again, this is not hard to understand. We've already talked about what the word submit means. Does it mean um, to put your husband in a position of authority? Yes, it does. And it's up to you to put him there. And this is important. This is an important point. This is not something, guys, that you take by force. And we'll get to more of that in a minute. What this verse does not say, it does not say, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands if you are sure he is right. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands if he's loving you well. If he's doing his part well, then you know what? Then it's going to be easy to submit to him, so I'll go ahead and submit to him. Some of you are chuckling because you're reading ahead. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands if he's not an idiot. This would give my wife a complete buy on the whole thing. So I thought that'd be important to put in there. In fact, speaking of my wife, um, again, I thought it'd be good to have a woman's voice on the topic. So I actually asked her a few different questions on um, um, the topic of submission. And, uh, asked, and so she wrote this out for me. So this is probably going to be the best part of the um, sermon today. First question is this, why should we as wives submit? And this is the way she answers it. Submission can't be forced, but it's voluntarily putting yourself in someone else's hands. Again, I'll kind of pause there. I want, I want to make sure that this is a point that we really drive home. Forced submission. Somebody being forced in submission is being dominated. They're not submitting. You do have a choice, but what you do with that choice says a lot. The, the degree to which you reverence your husband is the degree to which you reverence your Creator. We were made to be helpers to our husbands. That doesn't mean we are a lower class, less intelligent, or less important. It means we are set up and designed differently. It means we allow our husbands to make decisions and trust God for his leading in their lives to make godly decisions. It is not an if-then statement. The Bible does not say if husbands treat their wives like they should, then wives are to submit. It is not a conditional statement. We are commanded by God to submit to our husbands. We should do so joyfully as unto the Lord. Your husband will have to answer to the Lord for how he treats you. You just need to stay focused, obeying what God calls you to do. Next question is, have you, and this is kind of a personal question, um, have you always been submissive? No, and sometimes I'm still not. I am human. I have my own ideas and desires, and sometimes I push those too hard. But at the end of the day, I have to be able to say that I love and trust my husband enough to let go of those ideas if need be. And I know that it is pleasing to God and it makes my husband feel important, loved, and trusted. If there is something that needs to be discussed, we need to be able to have that conversation in a civilized way, able to express express opinions without fear of criticism and with open dialogue. But at the end of the day, if we're not in agreement, 
The final decision falls on him. I'm, I'm pretty okay with that now. We have been married for almost 15 years. And I spent many of the, those years fighting that, but God has been working on me, and I see now that I have the easy role here. I don't know that I completely agree with her. Um, my husband is the one who is designed to lead this family, and that comes with heavy burden. I had a good friend tell me uh, one time that it's far better to follow your husband down the path you think is wrong rather than force your, your will on the situation. That is very true. When your husband sees you willing to follow him, support him and encourage him, it gives him a boost, and I believe it also causes him to really truly seek God and pray about the situation before proceeding. My next question to her was this, is it natural? No, exclamation point. <laughs> we all have a sin nature. Everybody wants their own way. I want things done the way I want them done, when I want them done. But that is not how life works. If you are in a marriage relationship, it is not all about you anymore. I am married. I now have another person to consult with before making decisions. And sometimes they are not going to share my feelings. I have to be willing to die to self for the sake of the one I love. Is there a difference, the next question, is there a difference in the way your husband treats you when you are in a submissive role? When you're playing a submissive role? She answers yes. Not that he loves me anymore, although I'm sure it's easier to be around me. He doesn't have to be fearful of stepping up and being the leader of the house and making tough decisions when I am following God's command to be submissive to my husband. He knows that I will support him. And if the end result isn't the way he, we expected, um, he has to know that I am not going to say, I told you so, or what a bad decision, but instead will be his biggest cheerleader. He understands that he is accountable to God for his actions and not to me, so I just need to be praying for wisdom and guidance for my husband. But final question was this, can you be obedient to God without submitting to your husband? She answers, I don't think so. I think you really need to consider the fact that Jesus himself submitted his will to the Father in dying on the cross for us. We are not being asked to do anything Jesus himself didn't already do. Remember, the degree to which you reverence your husband is the degree to which you reverence your Creator. God put a man and woman together in different roles to make the marriage relationship function the very best it can. If we choose to disregard these roles, we are essentially saying we have no confidence in how the God of the universe specifically designed us. How can we ask God to build our marriage if that is the case? Now, my wife teaches this much stronger than I would because I'm afraid of some of you ladies. And she's not here right now, so she's not. So she's, she's making the point very clear, and, and I think the Bible makes the point very clear, that yes, wives, again, I say this question for the guys. Stay out of your mail. I'm getting to you in a minute, and uh, it's going to be some serious talk. So, but wives, are you to submit to your husbands? Yes, the Bible is very clear on that. So what happens then is a wife who is submitting to their husband out of reverence for Christ, again, remembering that Christians in general are to submit to one another. So there's already a mutual submission that's in place. But wives, what they do, their, their call to submit is to basically say to your husband, I'm giving you the authority in this, and then doing it indeed, giving authority to the husband. Again, a husband can't take that by force. That's something completely different. Wives are supposed to uh, esteem their husbands, and uh, that's very clear in the Scripture. Now, before you get up and leave, ladies, because you're angry with me, stick around. I'm going to talk to your husbands. But again, just like I said to the husbands, ladies, focus on what God's called you to do. Try not to listen too much to what your husband's role and responsibility is. You need to know what it is, but it's not for you to force. 
It's not for you to force. Just like your husband, it's not his job to force you to submit. It's not your job to force him into what he's supposed to be doing. So, what does Paul say to the husbands? He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let that sink in just for a moment. Husbands, Paul's talking to you now. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This word gave is very important for us to understand. Now this is the one I'm probably going to hack. Paradidomi. We're going to run with it like it's fact. To surrender. To yield up. To entrust. To betray. To commit. To deliver up. To give over. So we have this beautiful, beautiful picture of a wife who says, you know what, I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to lift up my husband in his position of authority. And then we're taught here by Paul and ultimately by God, husbands, that we take that authority that our wives has given us and we love them like Christ loved the church to the point of our own physical, literal, or figurative death. You are to die to yourself for the sake of your wife. How does that change things? That your mark for loving your wife is Christ and how He loved the church. So exactly how did Christ love the church? You have the God of this universe, whose the world is His footstool, sitting on His throne with a crown and a robe of royalty. And in John 13, there's this beautiful picture where this Creator, this God of this universe, takes off His robe and exchanges it for a servant's cloth, gets down on His knees and washes His disciples' feet. That's how Christ loves the church. And gentlemen, that's how you are called to love your wives. With that kind of sacrifice, with that kind of humility. You are not called to dominate your wife. For far too many centuries, men have been dominating women. And they justify it with Scripture completely taken out of context. It is not your job, gentlemen, to see that your wife is submitting to you. It is your job to favor your wife over yourself even unto your figurative or literal death. Does that change things, maybe? And what this is, is this beautiful picture Marriage is given to us as an awesome thing. God designed something wonderful. And it's a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. If you're single here and you think, you know what, I'm always going to be single, this really doesn't apply to me, it does. Because when you see a godly husband and wife, a wife that's submitting to their husband, giving him authority, and the husband taking that authority and saying, I'm going to exchange it for service, and I'm going to serve you, You are of primary importance to me. When you see that, it's a beautiful picture of Christ in the church and it will help you understand more about the relationship of Christ in the church. Paul is very clear with the guys. Men, we should be willing to sacrifice everything for our wives. Again, probably a lot of the guys, man, if somebody was going to break into your house... You're not even going to talk to my wife until I'm dead. And that's almost easier for us as guys. But what if you have a disagreement and your wife comes to you and says, you know what, I think you're wrong in this. 
I disagree with you. I think we should be doing this. But you know what? I'm going to yield to you and what you think. Too often, guys will take that and say, thanks, (laughs) and move on. When the proper response is, listen, I'm not going to take and drag you somewhere. I'm going to favor you, and this may be an area where I can die to myself to serve you. How does that change things? Verses 26 and 27 say this, "...to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to Himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless." Talking about Christ in the church, but also talking about husbands and wives. We should not be... Uh, um, her well-being, guys, your wife's well-being should be a primary concern for us. It should be a primary concern. What are you willing to do for your wives? Do you know that your wife's spiritual development, your wife's well-being has been entrusted to you? Did you know that? What do you do with it? Do you take it and dominate your wife and put her down and have her serve you? Because if you do, I got to tell you, that's despicable. It's despicable. And we've done it for too long. What you do is you take that and you trade your authority and you serve your wife because her well-being should be a primary concern for you. Finally, Paul continues and talks about your own body in verse 28. says, In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, as he, as he who loves himself, I'm sorry, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of His body. You love your wife like you love yourself. Very rarely do we really do a lot of self-sacrifice. When we're hungry, we eat. When we're tired, we sleep. When we need something, we make sure we get it. That same kind of care we take for ourselves, we need to be taking and giving to our wives. Again, I, I say this because I think it's important. I think it's just such a beautiful picture when a wife says, okay, I'm going to yield up authority to my husband. And the husband says, you know what? I'm going to love my wife like Christ loved the church. And I'm going to sacrifice myself for her. And it's awesome. It's a beautiful picture. So at the end of the day then, the question may be on everybody's mind. I was reading some different... Um, scholars on the subject, and we got to, to one, uh, Timothy Keller, who's, who's really, he's got some great writings, and it kind of like, he jumps to the end of the text to answer this question. He says, okay, well then, who's the tiebreaker? Who's the tiebreaker then? Answering the question maybe, who's the boss? And I got to tell you, I agreed with most of what he, he wrote, but when it came to this, I, I didn't really agree with him. See, I believe the tiebreaker here isn't me in my relationship. I don't feel that I, I have been given the veto card. I feel my wife has handed it to me. She's handed me that card. But that doesn't automatically make me the tiebreaker. The tiebreaker in my relationship isn't me, but it's Jesus. Jesus is my tiebreaker. So when we have a conflict and we don't agree and we're at an impasse, it should drive me to my knees. It should drive my wife to her knees to seek the counsel of God. And here's the thing. We don't move forward until we're both in agreement. We just don't move forward until we're both in agreement. So after Jesus, the tiebreaker, 
for me is my spouse, is my wife. Ladies, if you're looking to your husband as the tiebreaker, that's good. Husbands, if you just take it and say, well, thank you, you're missing something. Favor your wives over yourselves. That's what we've been called to do in marriage. And again, it's this wonderful, beautiful picture of Christ and the church. I would like for the uh, band to actually come up. And um, as they're coming, I want to invite you. There's two crosses here. Um, As couples, it'd be a good time for you to come up and reflect and maybe pray together. Maybe, Maybe you don't pray together right now, husbands and wives. Make today a day you start praying together. Husbands, pray with your wives. Pray with the girl. Pray with her. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, thank you for this beautiful picture of marriage that you've given us. This wonderful calling that you have given to us to to show uh, what your relationship is with the church so we can understand it better, Lord. God, bless all the marriages in this room. Bless those who are single are going to stay single. And I pray that those, those who are single are going to stay single will be blessed with a godly couple in their lives who demonstrate um, your love to each other. In Jesus' name, amen.